You're listening, listening to, to Bible, Bible Plus. Bible Plus from Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible. Hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome to our CSOC podcast, and today we want to touch on Luke chapter 16. And in this chapter, there's really two sections. The first section concerns being a prudent steward, and it seems that this parable is out of place, um, at least as it follows chapter 15. Remember, in chapter 15, there were three parables. Um... There was the parable of the shepherd, which signifies the Son of God who came to find the lost sinners. Then there was the woman searching for a lost coin. And this shows the work of the Holy Spirit based upon the work of the Son, shining and sweeping in our inner being. And eventually there's the loving father receiving the prodigal son. So, those three parables show the three of the divine trinity bringing us to salvation. But then we come to the beginning of chapter 16, and when we first read this parable, it seems somewhat puzzling. The Lord is using a parable about an unrighteous steward to illustrate the stewards in his own house. The steward here in the parable was accused of squandering his master's possessions, so the master fired him. The steward then did something very unrighteous in order to make friends with his master's debtors so that they would receive him into their houses when he became unemployed and unable to work for a living. He told each of the debtors that they only needed to repay the master a fraction of their original debt. However, the master praised the unrighteous steward not for his unrighteousness, but for his prudence. He was steward over his master's money. The money was not his, but he was the steward of it. The master praised the steward because the steward seized the opportunity to do something with this money while he had the time. Listen, money is something in the world of Satan, and it actually competes with God. You know, there's a verse here in chapter 16, uh, verse 13, it says, you cannot serve God and mammon. These two are diametrically opposed to one another. Money and mammon, material goods, actually competes with God. But, Something as unrighteous as money or mammon can actually be used if we handle it properly. Although the Lord spoke this parable to his disciples, verse 14 makes clear that it was directed toward the Pharisees who loved money. Often, when we think of the Pharisees, the word hypocrite comes to mind. But the real root of the problem was actually their love of money. They wanted to be rich. The Lord was aggressively engaging the Pharisees, touching the matter of loving money and the matter of impurity in sexual lust. 
That is touched in verse 18 where he brings up divorce and adultery. We have to remember that the overarching view of this chapter and actually the key to understanding the whole book of Luke is the Jubilee. The Jubilee frees us from slavery and bondage and it returns us to God as our real enjoyment, our inheritance. But money robs us of the enjoyment of God. The salvation of the triune God, which was covered in chapter 15, always issues in stewardship. And according to chapter 16, stewardship has to do with how we handle the matter of money. All the money that we have, which God allows us to have, is not actually ours. It's God's. God allows us to have some so we can learn to be prudent stewards and use these material things for the benefit of others according to God's economy. Then, when we enter into the next age, those who have benefited from the prudent use of our money will welcome us into the eternal tabernacles. In essence, the Lord is saying, now is the time of jubilee, and money is a bondage, and you Pharisees need to be set free. The Pharisees pursued keeping the law, but that pursuit just made them into lovers of money, and their lust was incited by their riches. Actually, the love of money and immorality in sexual matters go together. But listen, today is not the dispensation of law, which leads to bondage, but it is the age of jubilee. The next section in Luke, uh, chapter 16, after this parable concerning the steward and the aggressive engagement of the Pharisees, the next section concerns what happens to a believer when they die. Because this section begins with the word now, it means that this section is a further development of the parable of the prudent steward. This next section is not another parable, but an actual story, an actual historical account of what will happen in the afterlife. Because you have, you have actual names of real persons here. You have Lazarus. You have Abraham. You have an actual place that's named, which is Hades. It's revealed here that Hades, which is a temporary place to keep the disembodied spirits of those who have died, has two sections, a place of comfort and a place of torment. And these two sections are separated by a great chasm. Those who are in the place of torment can actually see and speak with those who are in the place of comfort, but they cannot cross over. Our traditional thought is that if you're saved, you go to heaven when you die. But if you're not saved, you go to hell. But consider these following verses. In Luke uh, 23, 43, the Lord told the thief who was crucified next to him, Today you shall be with me in paradise. Then in Matthew 12, 40, Jesus said, For just as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. 
Now, if we connect these verses with Acts chapter 2, verses 31 and 34, which, which indicate that the Lord Jesus was not left in Hades because God resurrected him and he ascended into the heavens, we can realize that paradise is the place of comfort in Hades. And it is somewhere in the heart of the earth. It's not in heaven. Furthermore, 2 Corinthians 12, 2-4 differentiates between heaven and paradise. The dead in Christ are not currently in heaven, but they will be raised out of Hades at the time of Christ's second coming, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 52. My goodness, what a marvelous view into the afterlife that's afforded to us by this section in Luke 16. Now, <clears throat> just to conclude here, um, in this story, you have two men. You have a rich man and you have a poor beggar. Now, the rich man, uh, we don't know his name. It's not mentioned. So this means that according to God, his life had no value. And perhaps according to the context of this chapter and the previous parable, perhaps the reason that his life had no value to God was because he spent his life with the love of money and perhaps even in sexual lust. But then you have a poor beggar and his name is mentioned as Lazarus. That means according to God, in God's sight, this person has significance. And the difference between these two was not that one was rich and the other was poor, but that one heard the word and the other would not. In verse 29, uh, Abraham says, Let them hear Moses and the prophets. Uh, this is what he said concerning the brothers of the rich man. Let them hear Moses and the prophets. Well, Back in John chapter 5, we see that through the word, we are brought to Christ. We are brought to salvation. We are set free from bondage. We are brought into the reality of the Jubilee. Praise the Lord for this marvelous chapter with the parable concerning uh, the stewards in the house of God, properly using uh, their material goods uh, for the benefit of others according to God's economy and for this view into the afterlife of how those who hear the word of God are brought to Christ, brought to salvation, freed from bondage, the bondage that comes with riches and are brought into the reality of the Jubilee. Wonderful. Have a wonderful day and uh, we'll catch you in another podcast.